0: Zone six. Smart nigga though. I got money that I saved, and I'm back on road. Get my jewelry out to save, 'cause I'm back on road. Yeah. I still do these hoes the same when I'm back on road. If you wasn't there for me when I was all alone, then bitch, don't expect no love. What's up? We are back here in the break room, episode 22, uh, 22, 23. 23? 23. 23, bit, 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 Okay, me, Charles Carter, you know who it is. Right in front of me is my boy Evan Shumar, man. So we were sharing some stories earlier. Just talking about football, high school football, college football. You know how the stories go, man. You was telling me something about your homeboy.
1: Yeah, yeah, I had a uh, – I think this was our sophomore spring in high school. I caught a bubble screen. I was playing a uh, slot receiver, and he played outside linebacker. And I get the ball, I get up field, and he tried to come kill me. And I just hit him with the back. backy step, yeet. <laughs> and then he just flew off into the sideline, you know, <sighs> feet left the the ground, and and everybody kind of gave him, you know, crap for it. And you know, to this day, I still like to bring it up to him, just just to let him know that, hey, I got you, I got I got my one on you.
0: That's funny, bro. I I remember, I remember uh, back in high school, man, we used to. D-line, like, me and my, had a homeboy Josh, man. We would always, like, race. Like, we weren't competing, but we was low-key, like, looking at each other like, I'm trying to beat you, low-key. You know what I mean? And, uh, or we would try like, run with the stand-ups and run with the linebackers, quarterbacks, or whatever. Like, we was fast off the ball. You know what I mean? We weren't, like, you know, because what was our condition? We were in, like, 40s, right? What was our conditioning period. We were like, 15 of them. That'd be, like, our little condition after practice. Mm. And so, um... Runs with I forgot how much time the lineman had. Lineman might have had like seven seconds or something like that. Standups had like six, and I think six or five and a half or something like that. And I think receivers and DBs had like skill positions had like five and a half or something like something like that. Mm-hmm. Something close to that. And so I remember we were trying to run with the stand ups. We were like, man, you know, we we was really coasting through the lyman time, you know what I mean? So we ran with the stand ups, you know, but I remember when I got to college, right? And, you know, the pool gets a little bit bigger, you know what I'm saying? And we had this one dude, man, named Daniel Crosley. Never forget him country dude from Louisiana, Derrida, Louisiana never even heard of that time before. And so we would always like even then man, we would always talk about racing, you know, D-line. We was talking about racing. We was like, oh no, nah, I'm fast. You ain't even got wheels like that. We were running with him Bro, Daniel was a I how was named like, about 6'2, something like that. D ran like maybe like 250, 240. Something like that. Bro, Daniel ran like a 4'6 to a 4'5, right? Stronger, strong, probably one of the strongest dudes. He was clinging like 365, his mm-hmm. freshman year. mm mm-hmm. And so, well, uh, Daniel Speed was—he re- was running with the skills, like he was running with receivers. You know what I mean? And so, whenever the, he said, whenever we would talk about running a race or whatever, he said, "Man, y'all ain't really fast. Y'all ain't really fast like that." They, they, you know? We're like, "Bro, shut up! everybody's talking to you, man. This this excludes the you know, you know." extraterrestrials you know what I mean we're not even talking <laughs> about the aliens you know what the I mean the ETs ETs and all that man so him and his brother fat the whole little his whole little lineage or whatever he had a brother <laughs> that played linebacker they were all like physical freaks you know what I mean but it's speaking of bloodline, speaking of all that Nico uh, what was his name Nico Ali Walsh those who don't know the name Nico Ali Walsh Ali should sound familiar he's the grandson of Muhammad Ali
1: Mr. Float like a butterfly,
0: sting like a bee himself. Exactly, man. So, Nico had his first fight um, not too long ago, I think this past week, weekend, yeah. I want to say. And so, it was his first uh, professional professional fight. So And he won as a middleweight. And he wore, I think the the big story of it was, not just him winning, right? But, you know, him carrying the name, him winning, but he wore Muhammad Ali's shorts, that he wore in a past fight back in the, I want to say the, the 60s. And so he wore those same shorts, big Everlast on him, man. You know, yeah. you know the brand.
1: Yeah, it even said, like, made specifically for Muhammad Ali. Exactly. You know? Man, just I couldn't imagine just putting those shorts on. Because, like, after the fight, uh, he, like, was holding them up and looking at them. I would have been given, like, before the fight, I would have been looking at him like, dude, if I put these on, I got to come with you, it. You like. got to come Cause with Because not it. only, like, does he have a lot of pressure just from, you know, being Muhammad Ali's grandson. You're going to wear his stuff, too. Like, man, Ah, that, that, that that's a lot of big
0: shorts to fill. Facts. And, like, and, you know, I immediately thought about, you know, the movie Creed, obviously, right? <laughs> and so him wearing, you know, I'm I'm, you know, if he, I forgot how to go with Creed, the first one. He fought a guy. He was like, okay, if you're going to fight me, you have to carry the name Creed because, you know, to sell, you know, money. You know how the fights go. Yeah, like, yeah. Boxers make their money off of their like because is no like. Company oh yeah, boxing umbrella. is a huge promotion sport. So. Exactly, and so um, I immediately thought about that, and you know I was hoping he won almost just for that because um, we talked about legacy uh, kids who kind of have dads or moms that are in the same sport, and they like play at a high level, like Bronny, um, Charlie Woods is a golfer, you know Tiger Woods is dad, um, guys like that, Dwayne Wade's son, other players like that, so them almost just a certain eye, certain special look at them mm-hmm. and look at them because just they just because they have the name, you know? Yeah. So it's just a different kind of. It almost they're really in a kind of different. Category yeah, they, they have a lot of different, like
1: almost unrealistic expectations. Like people are going to expect Bronny, like if he's nothing like his father and he could still be a great player, they're probably going to be like, oh well, you know, he's nothing like his dad. It's like, bro, like you don't have to compare him to his father on every single thing. Like exactly. Yeah, so I feel like there, there's just a lot of high expectations that maybe aren't the most realistic that these people are like set out to like reach. But I think. I think it's also kind of cool, like, not since I'm not like a father and mm. my I'm not like following my dad's you know footsteps as a professional athlete because my dad you know unfortunately isn't <laughs> you know shout out shout out to you dad I love you, but um I, I would be very proud if my son like overtook my legacy because I feel like that would just be like all right you know I did my job as a father like I you know turned him to a great man and he's out here performing you know doing better than me I would want that for my son you know, so I, I I hope that those children you know. Do you know? Even if it's D Wade's son, LeBron James' son, Antoine Winfield' son, you know yeah. Antoine F- F- Winfield Junior. You know he, he, you know the Bucks out safety from last year. I, I hope they all take over their father's legacy. You know, it's just good for the game. You know, it's good for good for the culture.
0: And have success, man. Because it's always good to kind of just see that, like when you see that happen, like especially people who watch the dads play. Like, okay, it's like a feel good story. It is. Yeah. It is. It really is. You know, it's a real good piece, man. You see, they kind of they kind of just came for. So it was like, oh man, he does that just like his dad, or you know, I see where he got that move from, or this, yeah. that, and the other. So it's like.
1: It's always really funny, like, whenever you see a dad that's, like, let's say he's some huge, like, defensive lineman, and then his son's, like, some little, like, quarterback or, like, receiver. You're like, bro, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Like, um, when people talk about Shaq's son, Shaq was a – Shaq is a huge human being. He always has been. His son is a big man, but he's a lot slimmer. Yeah, he's
1: a modern-day big man. He's yeah. a modern-day big man. Yeah, he so, looked more like KD than he does his own father. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And so, like, you know, you just see things like that. Or even with LeBron James – with Bronny <laughs> – LeBron was, LeBron was huge. He's not as big as he was, <laughs> big as the, he wasn't as big then as he is now. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Because he, you know, I mean proportionally, fit, like proportionally a, 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 as an eighteen-year-old, he was massive. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But Bronny is a guard. You know what I mean? He's not going to be a three or four or five. You know what I mean? Nothing like yeah, that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you get to see them if they were in a different position. It's kind of it's kind of fun how you can see like. And the funny, funny thing is, LeBron is playing point guard now. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's like. Oh, That's supposed to show you how, how much of a go he is. It's almost like a what if, you know what I mean, kind of thing. What if LeBron was like a few inches shorter? You know what I mean? Or Speaking of what ifs,
1: what if the NBA did not hate Jokic?
0: That's a good thing. That's Because I
1: really point. feel like for him being a reigning MVP, he still gets no respect. And the NBA is just going out here and just giving him kind of just another little mill little, little finger to him. He'll be the first MVP since
0: 2008 to not get a Christmas Day game. I don't know how to even feel about that, man, because Jokic balled this past season. And we think, who won the MVP in 2008? It was cold. Fuck,
1: bro, I really didn't want it to be cold, bro. Was I was cold. like, you know, let's pass because when, when did Steve Nash win? Because I remember Steve Nash beat out Kobe, and we were like, "Bro, what?" Two thousand five, two
0: thousand five. Okay,
1: yeah. So since the NBA moved to the current five game format on Christmas, Jokic will be the first reigning MVP to not get a Christmas Day game. I, I don't, I don't get it. But looking at the, the schedule, like it, it looks like a great Christmas it Day does, schedule. It really does. I, I honestly feel like they should have removed probably the Knicks. Like I, I get, you know, Madison Square Garden. You know, mm-hmm. you're on the East Coast. You got the 12 o'clock, you know, noon game for them. But you you gotta have the Nuggets. The Nuggets are just one of the better teams yeah. in the league, and they have like a reigning MVP. So, like, why would you not want that? From a marketing standpoint, why would you not want that?
0: Especially, on Christmas Day, especially like you said, over the uh, you said over the Nets or the the Knicks, yeah. So the the, Knicks, the Hawks the will play the Knicks. Okay, you got the Celtics versus the
1: Bucks. You got the Warriors going up against Phoenix, which I feel like that's, that's going be be, to be, be, be a good game. You got game. the Lakers and the Nets, and then you got Dallas and Utah. Okay, yeah. You know, you could have taken out Utah, and if you wanted a, like a later game on the West Coast, yeah, you could have put Denver there. That would have been a perfect
0: spot for them. Exactly, and I feel like those teams are somewhat identical. You know what I mean? In their makeup, you know, you got Jamal Murray, you got Donald Mitchell, you got Rudy Gobert, you got Jokic. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, even though... Jokic is a better offensive presence than Rudy Colbert, but. Mm, Yeah, uh, infinitely better. Yeah, so, uh, you know, you give and take, so. But, no, yeah, exactly what you said. So, why they disrespecting Jokic like that? Yes, a reigning MVP and well-deserved. It, it wasn't something like, you know, they kind of just gave it to him. But, no, yeah. he was almost averaging a triple-double as a big man. So, bringing the ball up court and doesn't really have all that much athletic ability and still balling out without his main offensive piece in Jamal Murray for the most, most of the season. So... You know, it's like. He
1: he puts up sexy numbers without without making them look sexy. sexy. He just gets it done. Like, I I understand some people have, like, you know, they they just want to see human highlight reels all the time. I mean, I get that. Yeah, you want to watch sports be entertained, but if you want to watch just. I don't want to say perfect basketball because you know it, it, nobody's perfect, but Jokic is man. He's just so well rounded. He's just a, a joy to watch. Yeah, he might not be dunking on people and step back threes. You know, he's not as you know he's not you know your James Harden or your Luca on the offensive end. But man, he just gets it done, and it's beautiful to watch if, you know, from from my side of things. So.
0: It is man, I definitely agree with you. But with that being said, man, we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, follow us on Twitter at the Break H O U and on Instagram at the Follow me on Twitter at three The Last Underscore King.
1: <laughs> you gotta change your own handle bro, so you can memorize bro. it, yeah, bro.
0: I was like, hold on, pause. We <laughs> go ahead and
1: follow my boy Evan. Yeah, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Evan Shumard TV. That's S
0: H U M A R D. All right, man, we'll be back in a couple minutes. Man, take it easy. My mama hate when I drink this shit.
1: I'd like to welcome everybody back to the break room this is Evan Schumann here with Charles Carter don't forget the third we're gonna go ahead and get into some NFL talk it's preseason time ladies and gentlemen and Charles anybody that you're you know looking out for this preseason
0: yeah this preseason preseason yeah um it's actually this is the part that got cut from my last episode so wanted to kind of go and bring that full circle with y'all so I mean these games have already happened but back then Thing, uh, teams I was interested in seeing were the, I wanted to see the Patriots in their first preseason game. I wanted to see uh, the Packers, the <laughs> the Eagles. Yeah. yeah, You said you wanted to look at Jalen Hurts, right? Yeah, I did yeah say say that. Jalen Hurts and I, did Dillon, say right? that. Yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, the Eagles, and that
1: was one more team. Um, I remember you talking about the Patriots and the football team versus
0: the Patri- Steelers Patri- and yeah, the Patriots versus the Washington football team and the um, the, the Pittsburgh
1: versus Washington Pittsburgh that, no. Would, that, that, that no, Washington. no 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 excuse me the Eagles versus Fucking hell. The Eagles versus the Steelers were last week, and the the Patriots played the football team. I'm getting confused because the Eagles play the Patriots on Thursday night. Mm -hmm. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, Okay, okay. So, yeah, reason I said that, I wanted to see how Jalen Hurts was going to perform because, you know, there were already rumors going around about Deshaun Watson possibly being moved to the Eagles for Jalen Hurts and a couple of of other pieces. And with the Patriots, I wanted to see how Cam Newton and how – And Mac Jones is going to do, because I felt like if if the race is close, they haven't necessarily named who the starter will be. Even though I'm pretty sure it's going to be Cam Newton, I feel like if Mac Jones is even close in the race, like if it's like a coin flip, they're going to go with Mac Jones just because new to the system. Not only that, Bill Belichick and. Uh, Nick Saban have a close relationship they've done talk shows together they've done a whole bunch of things so that's why and I was saying this last show before it got cut off and those technical difficulties kind of happened I said if Cam Newton loses this starting position whether it be to injury or it just be to him just possibly losing the position I feel like his career as a starting quarterback is over like most teams are there, most teams don't have a transition quarterback anymore. They have a set quarterback. They have a person for the future. The teams that needed a quarterback this past season got one. All of, them, all of them, all of them, all of them that needed it got one. And so, also with all the like the hits that Cam Newton has taken, the injuries and everything, it's it's kind of taking a toll on his play. Unfortunate, but it's just what it is. And so. If he were to lose his position in New England and become a backup, I don't see I don't see anybody else trying to reach out and sign him. But the only team I do see doing that is the Patriots and keeping him as a backup because he, if you have Cam Newton, a former MVP, as a backup, that's great. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good insurance policy. Exactly, and especially for somebody you know, a rookie like Mac Jones. So he brings a different style of play, all that, et cetera, et cetera, and so. That's one major matchup back then against you know before the game already happened against Washington. I feel like Washington was a, a decent enough defense. Um, they, all the starters weren't going to be out there, obviously, but they had a pretty good defense this past season, and so I thought that would be a great, um, great thing to see.
1: I'll be interested to see how Mac Jones uh, does against uh, Philadelphia tomorrow night because the Eagles, you know, they have a. Uh a stout defensive line even uh our second and third strings like you know we we, we got some people coming so I'll be interested to see how he deals with uh, the pressure that the Eagles are gonna send because they get there with four yeah and the one thing that you know was a big knock on Mac Jones coming out was he wasn't very mobile He's mm-hmm. a statue in the pocket so I think if he displays any sort of like positive like movement in the pocket versus yeah. Philadelphia I feel like that's gonna really help his confidence and then maybe the confidence in the coaching staff and him as well. But going off of your point, I think Cam Newton will be the starter. But I don't trust him to play all 17 games. So at some point, we're going to see Mac Jones. Yeah. Um, I don't know when it's going to be. I, I'm i a huge Cam Newton fan. I really hope it doesn't happen because of an injury. Same. I really don't want him to get benched either. Like, I want Cam to play, but I, I just don't trust him to play 17 Games I just I don't see a world where that's Possible I don't even know if he's ever played A full NFL season so (laughs) It's it's rough for Cam. Like, right now, he's betting on himself, but I'm glad that he still has the confidence and everything that if he can just clean it up, you know, mechanics and, you know, not be as sloppy with his footwork because sometimes last year he just got, I don't know, seemed lazy in the pocket and he mm. would just just rely strictly on his arm, wouldn't, you know, flip his hips or, you know, get his feet right on that stuff. But I'm, I'm really interested to look at that battle as well.
0: Yeah, and another reason I really hope he uh, he does well and, you know, makes it to the season and makes it deep into the season. Like, let's... God forbid. I hope, you know, if he gets hurt, I hope it's at the end of the season just because you're working with a full team this time of – Full defense, full offense. Everybody's going to be back. You know, for the most part, COVID is on the well, on the back end of COVID, you know, as far as being, you know, in the NFL regulations, things like that.
1: Yeah, over 90% of the league is vaccinated now. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think that the COVID stuff shouldn't be as big of a deal as it was last year because Cam missed a couple of games from yeah. COVID. And then that's when he, because he was
0: playing good before that. And after that, that's when his decline yeah. started. Mm-hmm. So, so that being said, also, we don't know how that affected his body and all that. So, Mm -hmm. Um, But that's the. uh, I really want that for Cam. I really want him to perform. I really want him to really succeed with the Patriots. I mean, he's never going to be Tom Brady. We we know that. That's Mm -hmm. that's a foregone conclusion. But there's no reason why he can't be. You know the first Cam Newton of New England. You know what I mean. So, um, if he's gonna find that that Cam Newton MVP form, it,
1: it's gonna be with Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick up there in New England. Exactly, man. Another uh, couple of players that I was really interested in looking at was Jordan Love. You know the whole Aaron Rodgers final, you know, saga, last dance out here. there Has been a lot of talk that you know he wasn't coming back, but hey, he, he's back. He's gonna be suiting up in the green and white. But I want to see how Jordan Love does because we didn't get to see him play last year because mm-hmm. there was no preseason and he was the third string quarterback. So I'm really to see if all the 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 pre camp hype that he had and so you know when Aaron Rodgers wasn't there. Oh, you know yeah, if we got to rock with him, we'll be good. Like I, I want to see how he does and I really want to see him play against the Bills in that third preseason game because that's going to be the best defense he'll probably face. And I can't imagine they're going to give Aaron a lot of burn in the preseason. So mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see that game. He'll play against a lot of he'll play against a great scheme, good players and. It'll be a great evaluation period for the Packers on him. And a two rookie wide receivers I was really high on coming out in the draft were Terrence Marshall Jr. and Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore, unfortunately, I just seen that he had suffered a quad injury. I was really looking forward to looking at him in the preseason. Not sure how much time he's gonna get now due to that. But Terrence Marshall has been apparently tearing it up in Carolina. So I'm really looking forward to see how he progresses over there. Okay, because that, that that's a they got an offense. Guys, okay, Sam Darnold's gonna have an opportunity to really show out because he's gonna have Christian McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson, Terrence Marshall, and uh DJ Moore. So hey, he's got some playmakers to deal with. Uh, I think the Panthers might be a, a sleeper offense. Maybe not be a
0: great team, but mm. offensively, hey. They're going to put up some numbers. Okay, okay. And and the, you know what? In that division, it might be kind of up for grabs. Because, you know, you got Drew Brees gone, of course. I don't necessarily know who's going to be the quarterback for the Saints. I mean, I mean defensively, the Falcons
1: are pretty weak are we, defensively. Yeah. I mean, the Saints are starting to oh, lose uh, their players due say, to their salary cap issues. Oh, uh,
0: uh, for grabs! I mean, besides Tampa, I mean, but <laughs> after Tampa, <laughs> you know, but uh, if Tampa magically falls off the face of the others, you know, somebody kidnaps Tom Brady and who else, and kidnaps the other all, all their receivers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, you you can get two or three of them. They still gonna have a, a nice core for yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, you need to get all of them out of there uh take their entire defensive line away. Uh, They're all their linebackers as well. Yep. Um... Hey, they, 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 they got some they good are, young DBs. They, they, they just have a squad. Hey, like I mentioned earlier, they got they Antoine stacked.
1: Winfield. They got Sean Bunting. Like, hey, they, they they got they got some squad.
0: They are stacked. And so, yeah, if, if they go missing, then, you know, I think the – they could be a dark horse. They could be a team that's like – I feel like they will catch some teams slipping.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, they're – they're gonna be one of those teams that plays to their competition, if that makes sense. Okay. Like if yeah. they play against the Texans, they're gonna look like, yep, yeah, that's that's the Panthers we thought. Mm. But I could also see them, you know, playing up against the Bucks and the Saints and maybe sticking around for three and a half
0: quarters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no I, I definitely see that man because they like they get, like I said they got the pieces. Yeah, especially
1: on the offensive side, they they their, their scheme is really good. That Matt Rule scheme coming out from a uh, Baylor, and uh, they got a uh, Joe Brady from LSU. He was the offensive coordinator for Terrence Marshall and Joe Burrow. Mm. Jamar Chase when they won the national championship so that'll be a little familiar to him too so hey maybe uh, maybe we'll see a breakout year from him speaking of breakouts is going to be a second year player that's going to break out this year.
0: A second year player I actually actually kind of have two now one is going to be at home with the Texans actually let's say home for, for the entire state I got two of them one I have Texans DT Ross Blacklock right the other one I have CD Lamb and so the reason for the two Ross Blacklock his biggest thing was well he has a motor right I only critique that people a lot of people had of him and just like my own, my own eyes in general mm, he had a problem with his second move you know on the defensive line usually you need to have two and they always say coaches always say you need to have two moves in mind first one don't worry go to your second one you know what I mean but always have some in mind like, already pre-made up your mind so you won't have to think while you're already in it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You just do it automatically. Yeah, you got to have that counter. Exactly. And so, he always had a problem with his second move. High motor. He can give energy. Don't really take plays off. The, his biggest strength is his leverage and balance. You know what I mean? He's already a tall guy. So, you know what I mean? Trying to get leverage on some other uh, on players that kind of have the same weight, you know what I mean, or weightless, whatever, and keep balance is kind of difficult. And so, I think with the second year, and he did pretty well, he did pretty well for the his role that he had last year. You know, rookie, still learning, um, still going over to the three technique, coming it, from nose tackle, you exactly know, r- running the zero and one over there at TCU. Yeah, exactly. And so he's you give him a lot more freedom in the three technique than you are in the one. You know, what I mean, one you have one job, clog up the hole, but almost somewhat defend your linebackers. Don't let them get touched by the other lineman. You might have to take up bodies, and so now you're having a little bit more freedom. Now you can get after people, get in the backfield, go make a tackle, go make a play, et cetera. Et cetera. Yeah, that's where that high motor will pay off. Exactly, yeah. all the energy you can actually direct it somewhere. <laughs> so, um, I think he's gonna have, I think he's gonna have a breakout season this year with the Texans. Um, definitely in this division that they're in, it's a lot of moving pieces. Uh, the only team that's kind of certain of what they have is the Titans. Um, the Colts don't really know. The Jags don't really know. Texans don't really know. They have no clue. <laughs> exactly. They have no clue. No. Only team that knows who they, who they are and what they're going to do. The Titans. The Titans know they can run, and now they think they can pass. So, that's about it. I think him and then C. D. Lamb. C. D. Lamb had, didn't have. A, he didn't have a bad year last year. He had a pretty decent year last year for a rookie. And so, and that's with Dak Prescott getting injured and missing games mm-hmm. Dak Prescott before he got injured was having some 300 yard games granted a lot of those yards came in garbage time but eh, you know he still had the yards everybody's score.
1: gonna look at the stats at the end exactly, of the day yeah.
0: exactly exactly uh, that's you know I'm you know splitting hairs at that point and so I think if Dak stays healthy and, you know he gets CeeDee Lamb more involved and CeeDee Lamb he knows the offense more and you're gonna have your starting quarterback back should. I feel like he should have a breakout season this year because he can do it all. He can do. He can run inside. He can run outside. He can give it all to you. And I mean, then
1: that's where it's gonna. That's where he's gonna have his uh, most success. I feel like it's gonna be because he's versatile and inside. He's. I think he was second most in slot yards last year behind Cole Beasley. Yeah. So the. He, he can win no
0: matter what. And I completely agree with you. Him, Dak coming back is going to be great for his progression. And he's showing great hands on hard knocks. I don't know if people are watching him, man, but he's going in and practice. So it's just so nice to just to see football again, man. It, it is. It just man. brings a smile it to my feels face. good, Like, man. I, I, I do, do not
1: like the Cowboys. I, I
0: hate the Cowboys, actually. I, I have a hard You know, I, I didn't want to them. say it.
1: I didn't know if, we, if yeah. we were. I'm an Eagles fan. I really hate the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> my mother is a Cowboys fan. So. I have just the strongest disgust for those bastards in Dallas. Yeah. But, man, hey, CD's nice. I, I give credit when credit
0: mm-hmm. is due. CD's yeah. nice. Yes, man. Those are probably, those are my two breakout players. I mean, The two breakout players I'm predicting for next season. Mm-hmm. How about you? Um, you know, I'm going to go with somebody who
1: looked sexy on the stat sheet mm-hmm. but really did didn't play that good. And that was Patrick Queen, the linebacker from the Baltimore Ravens. He was a first round pick from LSU in 2020. But man, he he had 106 tackles. That looks great on the stat sheet. But when you're out of position most plays and making Tackles that you're not supposed to, when posting a 29.7 PFF grade, Ooh. literally was the second worst graded linebacker in the NFL last year. So yeah, he, he he's kind of like a worse version of like Devin White, to where it's like, yeah he he has the highlight plays. He'll come down, hit somebody. He looks fast, he's athletic he and goes sideline sideline, but he might be running you know a four or five in the wrong direction, or you know he gets lost in zone coverage like crazy. Like I know those mesh concepts, like they would have that back in or like a hook come in behind him and he would just be completely lost. He would go follow the drag when he's supposed to be playing, you know, the Tampa 2. He's supposed to be running back and covering that. He just had a lot of plays where he was just completely in the wrong position. But I'm not going to blame him because he wasn't that type of player at LSU. I'm going to go ahead and place the blame on COVID and the fact that they just didn't have an offseason really last year and now linebackers are more picked on than any position. People, offensive coordinators and stuff are scheming up to attack these linebackers because they know that their they're tight ends and their receivers are more athletic and they can you know attack the middle of the field. It's easier for the quarterback to read. Giving him another year to actually learn and go through a full offseason and learn his scheme of his defense to be able to lead and hit the other men on the field will be great for him and I'm going to go ahead and project that he will be significantly better this year i'm gonna go ahead and say if we want to go off a pff scale since you know that, that that's a rating we have we had the mm. 29 grade last year i'll put him around to 70 this year i Ooh. think i think he's going to be above average that's a good man. that's a big jump too okay he, he has the tools and I, I really like what i'm seeing from him but um he just wasn't able to put it together last year and i i really just largely think that it was just because of covid
0: No offseason. And COVID is a reason for a lot of these players. Like, some of them, I want to say some of them, some of them did regress because some of them couldn't practice, some of them couldn't meet, and, you know, some of them had to miss some games. And
1: nobody knows what, like, other, like, Carl Anthony Towns, for example, like, yeah, everybody knew that. Like, his mom died. He had multiple family members. Like, you don't know what other players are going through during that pandemic and stuff. So I feel like it was just so much, and it was just overwhelming, especially for these rookies. Yeah. Like, I mean, even Jeff Okuda last year, I mean, I would say he would be my second breakout candidate in – he was definitely easily the highest you know, graded corner coming out of the draft. But he posted like a 41 or 42 PFF grade. It was just, you know, unfortunately he plays in a division that he had to face, you know, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson and Devontae Adams twice a year. But, you know, this year I feel like it's going to be a lot better for the second year players. Speaking of some other Texans news, you know, they played the Packers the other night. You know, I spoke about Jordan Love a little bit. So, you know, we'll, mm. we'll, we'll tie it up here. What did you like and what did you not like from the Texans game? What did I like, what I didn't like. Hmm. Well, hold on. Let me say this. The final score was twenty six to
0: seven. Yeah. The Texans won. What did you get from that? What I got was the run game looked strong. The run game looked strong. They had a, f- a couple good runs. I like that rotation with the running backs. Um, David Mills and Tyrod Taylor. I. This is what I got. I, I guess I can say this. This is probably what I didn't like. I didn't like that I didn't get an answer. I was a little annoyed with it. Like, nobody was definitively better than the other one. You know what I mean? I, it, I it's hard I, to get that evaluation when
1: Tyrod's only playing a drive or so. That, so.
0: Exactly. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, I feel like you didn't give him enough. Granted, I mean, unless you already have in your mind that Tyrod's going to be the starter, then that's a different story. But nobody's been named the starter. So, you know, if we're going to give everybody a fair shot, then let's give everybody a fair shot. David Mills... David Mills did okay. It was the first preseason game. Rookie, he had a few, he had a few good good throws. I can't remember how many yards he. I think it was like slightly over hundred, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And so, it, I mean, it was cool. You know what I mean? It it didn't blow me away, yeah. but it was it was cool. It was cool for preseason game. You're not gonna you're not gonna unload the entire playbook. Oh yeah, no. Nah. For first preseason game, so it was okay for what it was. Tyrod, I think completed all of his passes for. Uh, I think he only had four passes though. Yeah, he went four for four. Yep. Yeah, so. Uh,
1: and comparatively, you know, Davis Mills went 11 of 22 and threw a pick. Yeah. So the only thing I can say, so Davis Mills came out and played how I expected him to play, but the two he had made two throws where my my eyebrows kind of popped. Up. I'm like, oh, he had threw. I believe it was a post to like the back of the end zone, and it it was it was a nice little deep ball. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. like I, I like to see that he's being more aggressive and like trying to push the ball down the mm-hmm. field because if if he wants to win this job over Tyrod, Tyrod's basically that that classic game manager. Mm-hmm. You know him and like Alex Smith. I feel like are the two most just like poster boys for for game manager quarterbacks. So if he wants to prove that he, he, he's better than Tyrod, he's gonna have to push the ball down the field and make big plays because the Texans aren't gonna have much going for him. So hey, if you if you can raise a couple eyebrows, that might be
0: all it takes. Because honestly, like in this is a comparison, I was thinking of when I think of Tyrod, I think of a quarterback like. Jimmy G. Jimmy Garoppolo. So, how much better can I honestly say Jimmy Garoppolo is, is than Tyrod Taylor? Tyrod Taylor has had a Pro Bowl season. I can't necessarily say that I would take David Mills. I mean, granted it's only one preseason game. Mm-hmm. Granted, it's only that. He has a few more he can uh, perform in and show me. But, for this team, as it stands right now, like as presently constructed, as for what we've seen, what we know they have, what we what we think they can do, you know what I mean? We haven't seen everything yet. Do I want to just roll the dice with David Mills? Or do I want to give him a year until we can build give build up and give him a better platform to leap off of? Because David Mills is the future for right now. I mean, granted, we don't know if they're gonna draft another quarterback. Y'all say
1: so. What if he plays good? Uh, I got a hypothetical situation. So what if Davis Mills plays good enough to where you are? Nah, nah. They they are them right. I'm not going to ask that question. There's no way that they he could play it, it good enough to where they wouldn't draft a quarterback still. Cuz like even if they don't get the first pick and they get a top 5
0: pick, they're still going to go draft a quarterback. Yeah. Cuz I mean I mean how many games do we see them winning? Like 6? Maybe? <laughs> no. Maybe 5? four like yeah I don't see that four or
1: five market is probably where I'm leaning towards I don't
0: see them winning more than six games and the six I see because if Davis Mills is good enough you won't be in position to draft a quarterback exactly but
1: I I, I don't think he's gonna have that so like I I wasn't even gonna fully ask that question because it just didn't make sense in my own brain (laughs)
0: the Texans it would only make sense for them to tank or win it all and they're not gonna win it all yeah so you know that's why I'm like they'll finally have a first round pick they can use Hey, hey! You know I, that's the one upside. I, you know, that's why I say I would really just go Tyrod, give him more reps, you let him learn the system. For the most part, you won't lose the game because of Tyrod. Davis Mills is a rookie. You can lose the game for because of a rookie. It's not his fault. He's just a rookie. You know what I mean? So. Um, you can give him a year to sit behind Tyrod. Not a bad quarterback to sit behind and learn from. Tyrod was actually balling with the Chargers until he had the whole mishap inside the tent. And well, they I think they punctured his, lawn, his yeah. lung, yeah, mm-hmm. and so that just unfortunately had to you know end his his season with them. And so I didn't. I guess yeah, you know, I, I gave you the long-winded answer to a simple question. I, the thing I didn't like about the Texans, I don't like that I didn't get a – one didn't overshadow the other, not even by, like, the slightest margin. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't get, okay, this is what they're thinking or this is what they're feeling or this is what they want to do with this guy. This is what they want to do with this guy. They kind of ran the same thing but gave less to Tyrod. You know what I mean? And I so, think
1: Tyrod will be better for the development of younger players. Exactly. it will be better for them now than Davis Mills would be. So I feel like Tyrod will start – and should start as well. Mm. I, I I thought the draft pick that well, they traded up to draft him, and they already had barely any draft capital to begin with. Like, it's not like Davis Mills was like going to be like a top five pick and had like an injury. That's why he like slid down. It's like, nah, bro. Like he just was a decent quarterback, and it, uh, I thought the draft pick was stupid at the nah, time. I didn't and think
0: it I, was smart at all.
1: I I, I I just don't see how that plays
0: out in the long term at all it does to me it really doesn't because Tyrod like you say Tyrod is a game managing quarterback Davis Mills was kind of like, I think he only played one year, which is last year, and I don't think he finished the season. I think he played like –
1: Well, the Pac-12 only played like six games or something to begin with, yeah, because they were late coming to the party and
0: everything with all the COVID stuff. Man,
1: COVID just messed up so much last year, man, especially now that you can look back and reflect on it. Yeah, so
0: (laughs) he had a short season, and it was like he had a real small sample size. And so, I mean, I guess if you were – they were dead set on drafting a quarterback and I know they were talking about they wanted Killamon and all these other guys but they all went I don't know who was in that draft room I don't know what they were thinking because like if all your guys go you don't Jack Easterby <laughs> But anywho, you don't just go for you don't just go for less, and that's no shot at David Mills. Davis Mills, is just had a small sample size, and that's and they're putting him in a bad position to begin with. So like, yeah, he'll be a third round draft pick, which you're
1: not going to have like super high expectations. Mm-hmm. But then once you're an NFL quarterback and you step on the field, if you don't perform well, even if the cards are like definitely not in your favor, it's still going to be a horrible evaluation
0: on your end, and you might have a hard time getting a job in the future. Exactly, and so with ty- But Tyrod is a safety net. Tyrod would do more for, you, for the organization than Davis Mills would. Okay. So, if you have Tyrod, nobody's going to expect you to win anything. That's one. Uh, Davis Mills, there's that hope for some delusional fans out there. You know what I mean, Susan? So, well, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, night. it's not fun anymore. Not, not, not even. <laughs> oh, Davis Mills, Great word choice right there. Delusional. It, delusional. <laughs> and so, if you uh, Tyrod can build up your uh, Davis Mills he could build him up while he sits behind him right while you kind of build your team in if you want to do free agency or whatever you can get back for Deshaun because we still don't know how that's going to shake out and in and, and the future draft you know bide your time don't you're not in a win now situation you won't probably be in for some time so that's why it only makes sense to do Tyrod. but at the same time, they haven't named a name starter. and so I, like I said, long with an answer to a short question, I didn't get an answer. It didn't really look like they had an answer. and so that's what that's what I didn't hey, like Hey, That's the what game.
1: the preseason's here for, man. Yeah. And speaking of uh, you know front offices that make very questionable decisions, a couple of trade happened a couple of years ago that I, I thought might work out. But, you know, we're, we'll t- take a visit about it And see if it did Because according to the Giants general manager, David Gettleman Hilarious. He is happy <laughs> With how this Odell-Beckham trade Has worked out for the Giants You know, they uh, received the All-around safety Jabril Peppers And then they also got a 2020 first-round pick And then they got a third-round pick from For 2020 as well All for Odell Jabril Peppers graded at a 64.7 PFF grade last year at safety that's, that's that's below average. Mm-hmm. And then you have Mr. Dexter Lawrence, who they used their pick on, that first-round pick. He had four sacks and six tackle for losses last year. Like, that's, you know, that's decent numbers, especially for, you know, a second-year guy. Hey, you know, you can't, mm-hmm. you know, expect too much out of that. And then they got a third-round edge rusher by the name of O'Shane Zimmons, and he had no sacks last year. So how can you be happy When the production hasn't been average, has been below average, Average. I can say. And you lose one of the most marketable players in the NFL. Yeah, I get Odell, went to Cleveland, got hurt, you know, put up, you know, low, like about 1,000 yards, which is, you know, low numbers for him when you're used to him putting up 1,300, 1,400. But just the whole marketability thing to me, I was like, you lost a Madden cover athlete, one of the most followed athletes on social media, has a huge following everywhere he goes, kids following him in the street and everything. Like, how is that good for the organization? How are you happy
0: with that? And then just not too long later, Saquon gets hurt. And a great receiver like Odell would definitely help your situation, especially like you're trying to grow uh, Daniel Jones, but you you're not really sure if he's the answer or not. So if you would have had Odell with Daniel Jones, you would have had that answer a lot
1: quicker. Exactly. And you wouldn't be wasting as much time, as much capital in the draft or in free agency trying to figure that out. I just don't see how you could be happy with with losing Odell in, the, in this situation when the— Players and the picks you got haven't
0: outproduced it. You know what we call that. You know what we call that. Call it cap. It's big cap because, like you said, there's no way that you can be happy with that. Like you said, you would have had your answer a lot quicker with Daniel Jones. You wouldn't have been wasting so much time, capital, effort, and all this. One also going into the media and lying, saying like, "Oh yeah, you know we, you know yeah, we got it, we got it. It's all gonna work out and true, you know all that stuff. Like you're not sure." You're not sure because your play call also makes you not sh- uh, make it look like you're not sure either. You're almost trying to. Some, I don't know if you looked at it sometimes, but sometimes the players they call for Daniel Jones, they're not sure if they want to throw it deep or run him as an option quarterback because <laughs> they found out in like a couple of plays that oh he can actually run. So now they want to run because they're not confident either or in his passing or his running. They like he can kind of do a little bit of both, but he doesn't really excel at either or. Yeah, that hap- that's what happens when you have Jason Garrett calling plays for you.
1: <laughs> oh, really, really, really. <laughs> But, yeah, to me, it's just, he's just, like you said, he's just capping for the media, man. It just makes no sense to me whatsoever. But, hey, you know, that's enough of NFL Talk. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break here on The Break Room. We'll be back in just a minute. Ain't nobody praying for me.
0: What's up? We are back in the break room. Me, Charles Carter, and my boy, Evan Schumacher. So you are back for the last segment of episode 23, 23 for the Spanish speakers out there. Hey, Bilingual in here. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, man, um, first thing we wanted to get into was the Astros, man. Evan, going to tell you about it.
1: So, yeah, Houston Astros, hey, you know what? It's been a weird season. The bullpen hasn't performed great. Your star player, Jose Altuve, is on like a just – weird unexplainable hitting slump. Carlos Correa, you know, he's injured now. They're in new contract negotiations with him. Some people want to give him five years, 200 mils. Some people are like, nah, let's, you know, let's lowball it a little bit. You know, the, the, the Houston fans are kind of wishy washy about that contract situation. But looking at what's actually been going on on the field, they're still first place in the AOS. So even with Jose Altuve having just a, just a horrible hitting slump, in the last 15 games, he's hitting 211 and he's a 308. Career hitter, so this is just uncharacteristic of him. He's got also seventy five strikeouts, and the most amount of strikeouts he's ever had in a year is eighty five. And we got about two months left of baseball, so he's gonna set a career high for strikeouts. I don't know if it's um, a mental thing for him with all this the bashing of trash cans and mm. bashing of him and all of his teammates and stuff from every city he goes to. All these fans are ripping Astros a new one every single night, and and Astros fans, yeah, so. We'll see what happens with him. Hopefully, he gets it together before the playoffs because they're definitely going to need him and there to step it up if they want to go win that championship and bring another pennant back to H Town. Speaking of H Town,
0: speaking of H Town, bro, Derek Lewis. I understand.
1: My man just 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 ripped my heart out, bro, and just just watched it to bleed. Man, he he was getting beat up. Like, it hurt. It literally hurt to watch. Cyril gone. Hey, let, 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 let's, let's give him some respect. That dude came out ready to yeah, fight. he came out ready. He was ready. To, he was moving around. He had the perfect game plan against Derrick Lewis. Because Derrick Lewis is a very, def, not super defensive, but he's a very patient fighter. Yeah. He's going to take his shots when he can. But he only landed 16 punches. Cyril gone. 112. He was just everywhere. And... Third round knockout, you know. Hey, took out Derek Lewis in his own city. Cyril Gon is here to stay
0: in the UFC for a minute. He's
1: man, gonna get that chance at a title too.
0: Man, so watching that, uh, watching that fight, what happened? What two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. And so you can see that you can see that Derek Lewis wasn't even listening to his corner, like like you said. Um, I, this was a segment that we lost in our last show because of technical difficulties, and so he was saying that he wasn't even listening to his corner like he kept backing up he was giving up ground he was that leg was getting tore up like he kept getting uh taking strikes to didn't the leg didn't check a single kick didn't check a single kick he kept waiting for the that one heavy punch that he wants to give he kept he swung a few times but it was getting blocked it missed you know and it looked like they were almost frustration swings because like you say, he was getting tagged the entire match mm-hmm. and so i was i didn't i was thinking before the knockout came I didn't know when the fight was. I thought the fight ended before the knockout came because, like I said, those are like frustration swings. Yeah,
1: because so, when you know you're down a couple rounds, yeah. you're gonna have to knock him out with the win, and that's how he he fights anyway. So I think Derek Lewis would have been perfectly content with just getting hands put on him for four rounds and then mm-hmm. knocking him out in the fifth round. But like, hey, balls was hot. Time to get about
0: here. Literally, <laughs> man. Literally, yeah, like I said, Derek Lewis. He seemed like he what. He didn't really come out with a game plan for that one. He like he was like, I'm gonna do what I do, and it's gonna work. Yeah, it, it didn't happen this and time. And with this
1: corner consistently like telling him, like every time they would go sit him down, put the ice back on him, give him some water. Hey, don't give up, don't give up, ground. Stop backing up. Push the issue. Put put some pressure on him. Yeah. First thing he would do, they touch gloves. Starts backing up, backing up. Before you know it, his back's up against the cage, and that's not where you want to be against somebody who's a little very, very agile and can move around on the ground. Exactly, man. So you hate to see
0: it in your city, man, because. We still love you And we still believe in you We still love you still believe in you But you didn't put on You didn't put on I Hate to say it Should've came out uh, Still tipping or something but Still tipping t- <laughs> The balls was hot Hey We believe in you <laughs> <laughs>
1: We believe in you man Yeah
0: yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, man, that's going to do it for, for episode 23. Uh, follow us on The Break Room, H-O-U, on Twitter and on Instagram at the.breakroom.podcast, man. Follow us and subscribe to on all, uh, all the, what's it called, the podcast outlets. So um, Anchor Podcast, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. Google Podcast is another one. I forgot that one. So, yeah, man, follow subscribe to us, man. And we got some new stuff coming up for you soon. So, yeah, man, Stay tuned. Follow me, Charles Cotter III, my boy Evan Schumart, man. And take it easy, man. We will see you next time. Deuces! Still ballin' in the mix, it's that six six long dick, slim nigga stickin' your chick Pullin' tricks, looking slick at all times when I'm flippin' Bar sippin', car dippin', Grant wood, grain grippin', steel tippin' on, 4 4 on foam